amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. All right. Now I'm not. Ha <laughs> ha! What happens is if you turn the volume knob up, things go louder. You knob. to the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tours and it is the greatest weekend of the NFL season. The divisional round is here. The Patriots, the Cardinals, the Broncos and the Panthers have all enjoyed a week in the sun. Now the Packers, Steelers, Seahawks and Chiefs having had a in a way victory go on the road again. Can they get the wins and the upsets? We'll talk about that and there's a new team in LA. How exciting! Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. That was a really sharp cut off, and I apologise for that. What was but that? I have really good reason for it. So let's get into the show, and I'll show you why. Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter here. This is the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tours, and it is the divisional weekend. And as I refer to there, this is the mo. This is traditionally my favourite weekend of the NFL season. You've got the four teams coming in hot into the playoffs. They're either hot wild card teams or divisional winners. Ha! And they get to travel to the teams who have had their bye week. Is that going to cause them an issue? Is that going to mean they've managed to rest their starters? Oh, it's so exciting. And we've got a great slate of games. Chief Patriots, Packers, Cardinals, Seahawks, Panthers and Steelers, Broncos. And we'll break down all four of those games. I will take a breath at some point. Creme de la creme. Indeed. We've also got uh, two, maybe three interviews. We'll have to see how it goes. Uh, Very soon, we're going to be speaking with CBS's very own Jason Lacamfora. We love to speak with uh, Jason at this time of year. Talk about what's going on in the head coaching world, his off-season. He never seems to actually sleep, this man, but it's always good fun chatting to him. At the end of the show, we're going to be speaking with our friend over at Sports Travel Tours, Andrew Hill. He was in Minnesota last weekend for that Ice Bowl Part 2, 3, whatever we're calling it now. So he's going to talk to us about that freezing cold game. A little bit of an update of where our competition winner is going to end up watching the championship game next weekend. A little Super Bowl chat, a little bit Minnesota chat. He went to the new stadium. So if you're a Vikings fan, it's well worth listening to as we break down what the new stadium's going to be like, the London games, everything else. So that's always really good fun. And later on, we may be speaking to Simon Clancy about the uh, national championship game in college football. What a game. We're just, what a game. It was an incredible game. Oh. And basically the situation is is if Clancy is available whilst we're in recording times we will dial him up and we'll chat to him and that'll go on the pod if not we'll do some heavy college coverage as we're building to the draft after we've got out the tail end of the season because let's be honest 
We are only 15, some terribly slow maths, 20 something days away from the Super Bowl. And we're. <laughs> I wonder what you were trying to figure I out. I was I like, are you going to figure out weeks to the draft? I, you, yeah, I couldn't figure out. I didn't know out. what you were doing. I, I can't figure it out. I'm, okay. I'm terribly slow. So it's seven plus that plus six plus 23 days. We're 23 days away from Super Bowl. Well, we 50. are right now. Depends when people are listening to this. I'm going to put it out today, so that's fine. Yeah, but people might be listening on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but they, those people are dead to me. They're no, not. they're not. You're not dead to us. <laughs> they're not dead to me. I, I was lying. People listening on Sunday definitely aren't dead to me. Uh, so you are listening to The Gridiron Show. We're going to have that coming up. Maybe we're going to be speaking to Clancy as well. Uh, we'll be talking all about the weekend's games. We'll be talking about the head coaching changes. We've asked you on Twitter, who do you think has made the best head coaching hire? Six teams have hired their head coaches. We're still waiting to hear on what the Titans are going to do. But six men have new jobs. And apparently, if you're an offensive coordinator who manages to turn a terrible offence into a point-scoring offence, here, have a head coaching job. Because that's how it's worked for Dirk Cutter and Ben McAdoo and Hugh Jackson and Adam Gase. And I'm sure there's one more who I'm forgetting. Uh, there is one more. But Doug Pedersen. There, Doug we Pedersen. there we go. Oh, Dougie. I knew Dougie I was forgetting P. one. Uh, and Chip Kelly, who many would say is a glorified offensive coordinator. Because <laughs> he doesn't do anything on defence. He had a top 10 defence for the first eight games of the season. Come on now, Ollie. Okay. I'm going to try and justify this as much as possible. That's fair enough. <laughs> so that's all going to be coming up on the show. It is uh, Divisional Weekend. We're excited about that, but we're also excited about our Super Bowl party. Unfortunately, we were hoping today to be able to tell you who our NFL legend joining us is going to be. We're still waiting on final confirmation. It's down to the final two or three names, but they're all great. I will tell you that much. Uh, the group bowling tickets have sold out. Wow. The That's it. regular tickets are still available, but I'd suggest you snap them up ASAP. Uh, the VIP rooms have almost sold out as well. So go online to gridiron-magazine forward slash Super Bowl 50 to find all the information because it's a great deal. 12 quid. You get a free Budweiser slash Pepsi with every ticket. You get a free copy of Gridiron Super Bowl preview with every ticket. You also get obviously entrance to the, the game. You will get not the game entrance to the viewing party, the official NFL UK viewing party. We should say meet and greet with an NFL legend. We're going to be doing giveaways. There are bowling lanes available. There's great food. Really you can great food. order yourself a 26-inch pizza. I recommend sharing that with at least one other person because it is obscene. Yeah, but you didn't last time, did you? No, and it was, it was a big, <laughs> big mistake. Can I ask you, because last time there were tickets on the door, but limited... It's over and, and and it got to capacity very quickly. It so is seriously unlikely we're going to have tickets on the door. Wow. Okay. So yeah, get your tickets now. Uh, so yeah, that's good. Have a magazine dot com forward slash Super Bowl fifty. Obviously, the big news from this week. You've had all the head coaching changes. It is divisional weekend, but the St. Louis Rams are no more. Do you have a record scratch? I wish I did. That would be great. <laughs> That's but not a record scratch. Yeah, that was a terrible record scratch. Let's go with this. You know who is back after a 21-year absence, and those of us in the NFC West are delighted to have them back on the West Coast. It is, of course, the brand new Los Angeles Rams. That 
that's enough of that. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. You played me a bit of that earlier, and I've been walking around global radio just going, ram it. <laughs> people, people have been looking up going, what is he on about? Ram it. <laughs> God help it. Right, first of all, to fans of St. Louis football, we don't want to seem like we're ex- overexcited and gloating. We obviously know there are some people who are very disappointed. And to be honest, Ram it. it's an interesting question <laughs> for people who are fans of the St. Louis Rams. I'd be interested to know, at Gridiron on Twitter, the, with this breaking news that your team are no longer going to be in St. Louis, are you going to stop supporting the Rams? You know, our resident Rams fan, Adam Farkson, uh, is not. He's going to continue supporting the Rams over in L.A. Obviously, mm. fans who are fans of the Rams before they even moved to St. Louis. we fans, And that's why I like this move. They are the team going back to L.A., whereas with the Chargers, I know the Raiders would have been the same, but... They're going home. I think they suit they suit Oakland, and if they can get a new stadium there. We'll talk about all this with Jason Lackenfora, and then there's obviously the Chargers. And uh, let's just point out that if the Chargers stay where they are, Jason Lackenfora has some thoughts on that. But the opportunity that we might be able to get to play this some more... It's really pleasing for absolutely everyone. And also, I will continue to try and pick their drafts. Because if they move, it's all null and void. I have to go out and try and figure out someone else's drafts. Draft picks. Uh, But interestingly, uh, on the same question, Bobby Wilcox, who is a regular tweeter of the show, listener to the show, also in a number of fancy leagues with us, really top bloke, he is a a San Diego Superchargers fan, and he will stop supporting the Chargers if they go to L.A. Where will he, he go? He said he fell in love with the city of San Diego before he fell in love with the Chargers. And so the whale's vagina is his home. That is where he sees his football-supporting uh, prowess. That's the wrong word. I couldn't. That's what came to my head, though. And I'm going to go with it. Um, he is a San Diego Chargers fan, not an L.A. Chargers fan. So he's a little bit devastated. So, Bobby, our thoughts are with you. If the move does happen to L.A., it may have even been decided by the time this podcast comes out. In fact, should we speak to a man more informed than we are? Oh yeah, uh, it won't be difficult. <laughs> <laughs> is it Clancy? A man who was a man who was. <laughs> it's in not Clancy. <laughs> okay, fine. It's not uh, a man who was in Houston for the early part of this week, reporting on those very owners' meetings, which led to the LA decision being made. He knows more about this than we do, and he can give a more informed opinion than we do. And not only that, we talk a bit of head coaching as well. We talk about Bill Belichick's eye. We talk about Rob Ryan joining the Bills. Lots of good fun stuff in here. Always one of our favourites, and he gives one of the new head coaches a nice new nickname which we're going to listen out for and see if he uses it anywhere other than this podcast because it sounds like he will do listening for this one it's a great chat this is jason lacamfora well it's absolutely always a pleasure to welcome on around this time of year although trying to find a moment that he has to himself to chat on the phone for 10 minutes or so can be difficult you know they've been saying for years and years now what off season and this postseason seems to have been busier than any other it's cbs's jason lacamfora jason how are you doing sir Doing all right, my friend. Just trying to uh, keep up with with all the zaniness that is the NFL, especially this time of year. Look, it's, it has been, and, and honestly, before we even get into anything else, if you don't follow Jason on Twitter already for up-to-the-minute updates, you really should do, because particularly with the owners meeting this week and all the L.A. stuff, uh, you know, we I was working on an overnight shift that night, so I was lucky enough to be there at kind of 2, 3 in the morning while it was all unfolding and trying to follow it live, but... Uh, we got a decision. That was the main thing. And you were down there. The Rams it is. I'm delighted because the NFC West is now actually the NFC West again. But you were at those meetings. Just talk us through exactly what went into that decision for guys who, like I say, had to wake up the next morning and try and piece sure. everything together. 
Yeah, well, I mean, basically, money talks, and, and big money <laughs> screams the loudest. And Stan Kroenke, um, probably the second richest owner in the NFL. I'm guessing Paul Allen of the Seattle Seahawks probably has him beat. I don't know if you include Stan's wife as well, who's an heir to the Walmart fortune. Walmart oh, wow. is a, Yeah, Walmart is um, a series of massive... The, not quite department stores. I don't know what they call them. We, we have, um, they, they own a chain of uh, supermarkets here called Asda. Okay. So right, so it's like you can get everything here. from, you know, a, a bicycle to your milk to, uh, you know, uh, like a Christmas tree. You know what I mean? Like literally these massive superstores. So, so his wife is the heir to that fortune, regardless. A lot of money. And he didn't need the NFL's assistance. The, the NFL has a program called the G4 Funding Program, which is they will provide upwards of 300 sometimes a little bit more, $300 million U.S. to teams in very low-interest loans to use towards stadiums. He didn't need that loan. He didn't need anybody to help him buy the land. He didn't need anybody to help him secure the land. He doesn't need anybody to help him construct the stadium. He, he doesn't need money from the local government which over here is how it usually works, that the taxpayer gets screwed and these municipalities, you know, be they states or local governments or, you know, city governments, county governments, combinations of, of both end up, you know, giving these billionaires three to $500 million in, in subsidies to build their stadiums. He didn't need any of that. So he, he always had that going for him. And at the end of the day, when these 32 owners got together to vote on which, uh, where they were going to build and how they were going to go to L.A. and which teams were going to go to L.A., Stan Kroenke, the owner of the Rams, the richest guy involved, ended up winning, and winning by a pretty d- decisive margin. And the San Diego Chargers have the option to go with him. It's not what the Chargers wanted. This is not the stadium the Chargers wanted to build. build. It's not the location that the Chargers wanted it to be built on. But regardless, their options are to stay in San Diego, which I would put the odds of that happening at close to nil, or or go with Stan Kroenke in some sort of capacity, whether as his tenant, where they pay a nominal fee to rent the stadium from him for for their games, or possibly another deal where they come up with three hundred to five hundred million dollars to get an equity stake in that stadium and assume more of the risk and obviously more of the reward. So in the next couple of days, this will probably be sorted out. I would think by early next week, the Chargers have come forward publicly and said we're going to L.A. with Stan Kroenke, and that will leave the Oakland Raiders as the team now looking for a stadium. Do we have any information on where the Rams and possibly the Chargers will be playing next season and the next three years until this yep. is ready to go? Yep. Um, for now, the only site that the NFL has secured is a site called the Los Angeles Coliseum. See, I'm excited. I, I kind of want to go to a game at the Coliseum yeah, you, just because of the history yeah. behind it, even though it's <laughs> right. meant to be a terrible stadium. Just, you when know. you get there, you'll be like, what the bleep? <laughs> like, yeah, that, in theory, it sounds like there's something to see there. It, it's, it's, uh, it's, look, it seats like 100,000 people. It's massive. Um, I'm sure they'll have to cordon off part of it in order to make it seem feasible for, for these NFL crowds um, because it is a decrepit stadium. But it's where the University of Southern California plays USC now, and certainly, as you reference, it's where the Raiders played when they were in L.A. the last time. Um, it's nothing special, no bells or whistles, but the, the University of Southern California, which, again, is the primary tenant there, they, they have given the NFL permission to have two teams play there. Originally, it sounded like only one team would play there. 
um, they then have changed their stance. So I don't know. That field, I mean, I would think the field looks absolutely horrible. <laughs> Between the Saturday college games and the Sunday pro games and two teams playing there, um, it'll be an ugly couple of years. Maybe the, the, somebody figures something out a year from now. But it looks like in 2016, both teams, the Chargers and the Rams, will be playing there. Um, the, the, the new stadium in Inglewood, California, the Taj Mahal that Stan Kroenke's building, <laughs> that won't be ready until 2019. Um, maybe the Rose Bowl, you know, they negotiated with the Rose Bowl this year, and the Rose Bowl said, no, we don't want anything to do with that. Maybe now that this is definitely happening a year from now, I, I could see one of these teams maybe getting a reprieve and, and playing in the Rose Bowl for a year or two, which is a, up in Pasadena, California, a little bit north of L.A., which is a nicer facility um, that, that's had some um, amendments made to it. And it's one that, that a lot of fans there would be familiar with um, because there were some, uh, I, I, boy, I think, in, I think the final, I think the World Cup final was played there when the U.S. hoped to the World Cup. When the U.S. women won the World Cup on American soil, uh, for the first time, that that match was at the uh, the the uh, the Rose Bowl as well. Uh, one thing about this, and I want to ask about the Raiders as well, but there, something I saw that was quite interesting that was brought up online, and beyond the fact that you mentioned them playing in that stadium, we're getting the Rams as a home game in London next year, and there's some talk about whether that'll get extended beyond this year in a Jag-style multi-year deal. Obviously, that's something to keep an eye on, but for the NFL, they've had this bargaining chip of LA for what seems like the last 20 years, and every time they've had a city who... They've wanted to put some money, like you say, the municipality put some tax money into a stadium. It almost seems like they've had this leverage point of, well, we could just move them to L.A. Have yeah. they, the L.A. Uh, do the NFL kind of lose something actually by having a team in L.A. and not being able to say to other markets, <laughs> well, you know, we've got L.A. There's always I, that. I, I don't, I don't think so, mate, because I think they've used it as much as they can. Everyone's <laughs> got their stadium now. You know what I mean? Like literally, if you look at the the uh, evolution, if you did a timeline, a graph of the, the average now, the median age of an NFL stadium, I bet that 10 years ago the median age of a stadium was probably 30, 25, 20 to 30 years. Now the median age is probably less than 10. I mean, just look at all the stadiums that have been built. It, it's, it's unbelievable. And all the public money that have been funneled to these men who already have more means than anyone could imagine. It, it's, it's, it's almost shameful. I mean, honestly, they're to the point now where, okay, so we talked about the Raiders, and the Raiders have to get something figured out, and I bet they do in the Bay Area. You've got the Buffalo Bills, who were just purchased, what, 18 months ago mm-hmm. by the Pagula family. He's from the Buffalo area. He will eventually get a stadium built in western New York. If they have to go to Toronto, they will, but I don't think they'll have to. And then you've got Jacksonville, and that's it. Everybody else is in a stadium that's relatively new or has had, like Carolina, the stadium might be 15 years old, but they just had $275 million, or what, I think $175 million in upgrades done to it over the past couple of years. And what do you think they used as the threat to get it done? Well, we're very close to the mayor of L.A., right? So so everyone's (laughs) used L.A. Like, they've used L.A. up, and now there's nowhere. So so we might as well put a team there, and especially when Stan Kroenke's willing to build a $2.65 billion stadium there. I mean, that's the estimated cost. I mean, this thing is going to, I would imagine it would put, um, you know, what is it, the Alliance Arena where Bayern, you know, the the Bayern Munich Stadium where they hosted the World Cup final. I mean, it's going to put all these things to shame. Um, if it's built the way he, he says it's going to be built. But, but really, but Jason, like, what are we look, talking about? You know, li- Jacksonville will move to St. <laughs> Louis. If St. Louis builds a new stadium, 
then I, I predict the Jacksonville Jaguars end up there. So that takes care of Jacksonville. They're going to give Mark Davis $100 million in cash plus $300 million in stadium loans from the league. So all he's got to do is go out and get another three to four or $500 million if he can through an ownership stake that somewhere, you know, having a Larry Elson, the Oracle billionaire, or someone like that buy in and then have the, the government kick in a little bit. I mean, it's not as crazy as it seems. And then you've got the Buffalo situation. That's it. I mean, the NFL for the next 15 years doesn't have a stadium problem. Looking pretty set. And, you know, you compare them to the Allianz Arena. Nothing compares to Welland Road, of course, Jason. Well, no, and it would be, especially <laughs> if, if we actually had, like, some Champions League nights there again. But, but that I, <laughs> dare I to dream. Let's, let's just get out of the championship one of these decades. Uh, just quickly, then, we're looking around as well as, obviously, the L.A. situation is, is going to be a huge talking point and continue to be over the next couple of months and the impact it has on U.K. fans. We've been asking people on Twitter, you know, it's, it's an odd one for U.K. fans as, OK, you support the St. Louis Rams, but you're from you know, Birmingham. Is this going to change whether you support the Rams or not? Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be fascinating for guys over here. But that's just been on top of the usual malaise that's been the, the kind of the coaching moves and it seems that there have been two things that I've noticed this offseason more than anything else the first thing is if you've been an offensive coordinator of a previously bad offense and managed to get some points out of them here you go here's a head coaching you job got a job for you yeah, yeah exactly yeah, here's the keys to the kingdom uh, and yeah. uh, for me I need to ask about Chip Kelly to San Francisco because uh, this has just happened in the last 12 hours or so as far as you understood uh, was he their first choice guy? It seemed like when they got rid of Tom Sula, he was immediately the name mentioned. And do we know yeah. how much impact Tom Gamble had on the situation, maybe? Sure, sure, sure. Well, they, they were considering firing Jim Tom Sula. And when Chip Kelly was fired on the Tuesday before the, the end of the regular season, that certainly made kind of put them over the top. Now, it didn't mean that Kelly was... Kelly. That Chip Kelly, <laughs> like or it, now, I will now call him Kelly from now on. Uh, it, it, it's amazing I didn't have that slip sooner. All the millions of times I've said his name. Um, so Kelly wasn't necessarily the guy, but he's someone they wanted to talk to. And frankly, he was the only that they were the only team that wanted to talk to Chip Kelly. So the Forty ers weren't necessarily locked in on him. If they were, they could have they could have started talking to him the moment the regular season ended, and, and he had nothing else cooking. But it took a few days. They talked to him. They spoke to a bunch of other people. You know, they were very interested in Hugh Jackson. They didn't get in a bidding war over Hugh Jackson, but, you know, certainly he was someone that, that, that they thought could be a fit for them, as were others. At the end of the day, as they're standing here now, and what was already a very, as you noted, middling group of, of candidates to begin with have been picked through even further and dwindling, you know, they went ahead and, and did their deal with, with Chip Kelly, as you mentioned, Tom Gamble in their personnel department, who's very close to general manager Trent Balky. Gamble was the hire that Kelly made in Philadelphia when he got personnel control, not full control, but some personnel control to go there in the first place. He brought Gamble with him. So there were some ties. Trent Balky and Kelly, <laughs> I kind of <laughs> like that now, have yeah, the I, same I, agent. <laughs> they have the same agent, David Dunn. David Dunn also represents Jim Harbaugh. He helped put the Harbaugh deal together. He helped put this deal together. Um, and we'll see how it works. But if Chip Kelly didn't get hired by the 49ers, he was going to be out of football for the next six months and probably would have ended up back in college. And he may still have uh, more of a college career than a pro career, but, but he's there for now. And, 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 yeah, by and large, these guys were all offensive coordinators. Um, 
guys who, who no one, you know, people wanted to talk to, but no one was blown away by them, by and large. And in a league where people are hired to be fired, I, I, I unfortunately feel like two years from now we'll be having a conversation and most of these guys will be on the street. Undoubtedly. I, 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 I will pick through all these names as well, the Doug Petersons, the Ben McAdoo's, everyone else on the show. But uh, there were two other situations just very quickly, and these can be almost one word answers. The Titans, they have a new GM. Are we going to see the head coach trigger pulled soon? Yeah, and it'll, I still believe that Mike Malarkey, their interim head coach, has a great chance to be there. They're, they're gonna, that team will be sold in the next year, and they're not going to incur a lot of excess salary now that, that the new owners may not want. That's a streamlined situation, and I, I, I think they won't make a big splash until they have new owners. A personal opinion, is signing Ed Reed enough to balance out signing uh, Rob Ryan? <laughs> not even close. Not not even close. I don't know if you guys saw the Super... Did you guys have the Super Friends cartoons over there back in the day? Do you know familiar what, with you know the... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they used to have like these like Wonder Twins, and they'd be like, Wonder Twins, activate, form of uh, whatever, penguin, shape of uh, waterfall. Anyway, I just keep thinking of these two guys, you know, as the twins, Robin and Rex, like form of a buffalo chicken wing, shape of a beer bottle. You know, like these two guys in western New York, forget about it. I, I, look, I hope Rex enjoys his next year in coaching. By this time next year, he'll be working for some media outlet, uh, making big bucks to talk about football rather than coach football. And, and as an insider, do you have any inside line on Big Bad Bill's Shiner? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I really don't. I hope it's not female problems but i have i have no idea i don't know i hope the missus didn't catch him with a left cross or something but I, you I, never know you, you do look i mean people give belichick a lot of stick but i think he's very dry in those press conferences and when he just said sorry i didn't realize we had to put coaches on the injury report i it just it's the perfect bill belichick response i love him you know because i don't have to deal with him every day if i was a beat writer <laughs> and i had to sit through every single press conference i might gouge my eyes out but as someone who deals with him you know from afar, and we have a cordial enough relationship, I actually get a kick out of it, but I can understand how the people who are there every day um, probably uh, can't wait for the season to end. Look, Jason, it's always a load of fun speaking with you, and I'm sure we'll do our best to catch up with you when we're out in the, in the Sunshine State in San Francisco catching what's going to be a legendary Super Bowl. Well, hopefully it's going to be an exciting one as well. Anything that measures up to last year will be great. And maybe uh, we'll try and catch some of those 4 a.m. Premier League games as well while we're there with you. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We've, we've got the game on CBS, so I think we'll have a very early call. Our pregame show is about eight hours the night of the game, so I, I might be there in spirit. But no, I, I always enjoy chatting, so I hope we catch up soon. Do Leeds get televised out there ever? Oh yeah, yeah. I watched the match oh, wow. uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we do. We do get uh, one championship game a week, and uh, I'm always excited when when it is Leeds United. So I, I, I usually I'm following online, but I, I do get to see it uh, live every once in a while. Beautiful, Jason. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much, mate. Thank you, brother. Jason Lacamfora there, and I love Chelly. I love be Ch- calling him Chelly. I love Chelly, but I'm going to go with a different one. Oh, go on, Chippy. Chippy, <laughs> I don't like that. Only when it, only if the the Forty Nine ers come I mean, over I, I here. Don't get me wrong, I love a chippy. 
I'm just saying. I, I think Chippy's quite good. <laughs> Chelly and Chippy. We we haven't even. <laughs> that sounds like a cartoon. Horrendous. <laughs> we haven't even started to talk about this yet because uh, we've been talking about the LA thing. And let's let's cover the LA thing off first. First of all, I think we're. I'm speaking on your behalf here, but I think we're both delighted that the Rams are back in Los Angeles. The NFC West is whole again, and uh, we're finally going to see it. That stadium looks phenomenal. Everything else, I, I'm pleased they're there. It's, yeah, it's great. Where are they going to be before that stadium? Oh, well, all of that's covered off in the Jason Lack and Four interview. Ob- obviously, I did it and Ollie hasn't listened to it, as you can now tell. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm doing this on the fly here. I mentioned it briefly, but there is an opportunity. We're getting the Rams for a home game next year. And it did mention in their bid that they would play oh. an international series game every year. They were in a temporary stadium. Nothing's been confirmed as of yet at the time of recording. But there is a strong chance that, all right, maybe don't, they don't come here. Maybe they go to Mexico or one of those. Actually, Mexico makes amazing sense because they're going to be in LA and that'll be the chance there'll be there's a huge Mexican fan base in LA maybe have them go to Mexico in 2017 and 2018 to try and grow that fan base ahead of the new stadium being built would be a strong idea but it does mean there's a good chance we'll see the Rams we'll maybe see the Chargers if much like Lacanfora believes that's almost a done deal and it will happen over the next few days so there's plenty to consider with the Rams but with the Chargers well I want to stick with the, the okay yeah, go on, go on. What are they going to do with uniforms? Hashtag Kitwatch. Oh, they've got to go back to the old blue and yellow. Yeah, I love like, that. Like the throwbacks. They'll, they will find a new way to do the old LA Rams blue and well, yellow. Well, can I tell you, uh, in the LA Times, Los Angeles Times, they've floated the idea of the uniforms being upon, uh, being uh, sort of moulded upon the flag, the Fiesta flag, which is... <laughs> A trickler with uh, diagonal yeah. designs of green, <laughs> green, yellow, and red. That, that, exactly. That would be one of it. Would be a, the, like the Rasta Rams. That, 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 honestly, <laughs> that honestly looks like the uh, the fake national flag of uh, of a fake nation in a really terrible video game. Like, <laughs> or, or in a. Do you remember um, coming to America? Yes, <laughs> Eddie Murphy. They had that weird. That weird country that he made up African country. Yeah. What was that country called? I oh, can't remember. You are now hearing a man live <laughs> googling. Um, it's Novrovia or something like that. It's. Uh, uh, we'll find out and we'll come back to okay. it. But so I, I. But my feeling on the charges, and it's not just because Zamunda. That was the name Zamunda. of the location. It's not just because it gives us more of an opportunity to continue to play. And I understand that they could be the Los Angeles Superchargers, but it doesn't, it's not the same. They'd have to get the original musicians in to re-record it, otherwise I'm not in on that. Um, But I kind of want them to stay in San Diego. I think they've got the opportunity now, there's the $100 million additional bursary that the NFL are giving them, which I know is a a scratch off the kind of 1.5 odd billion that a lot of these stadiums cost nowadays. But with that, the extra $350 million that's been talked about, the team putting up some money as well, I, I just think that it makes more sense. I'd much rather have them in San Diego and keep a team in Oakland and... St. Louis what clearly wasn't working, and maybe I'm being uh, maybe I'm being ridiculously biased by saying they should get out of uh, St. Louis, but the Chargers shouldn't get out of San Diego. But it never felt like the Chargers really wanted to move. 
they did try and get a stadium deal done. It didn't happen. It almost felt like they were getting involved in the process because they felt they had to because they're the closest to LA. And if they can cock block the Raiders from getting there, then that's a strong thing for them. Because there are two teams in LA plus a team in San Diego. That could be a real issue for them, bringing in fans from the outskirts of the city. But I just feel like if there's one team there, it keeps them where... I I just like the San Diego Chargers. Well, we love I the want San, Diego Diego San Diego Chargers. But uh, I think two teams in a new... It's an, it, it's a new uh, market in LA, but an old market as well. And I don't think two Zamunda. teams... Zamunda. I don't think two teams would work there just transporting two straight away in, in one go. Uh, also, it could mean with the Chargers, if they remain in San Diego, those guys that sort of fell, in la- fell out of love with the Chargers, and that's why we saw all of those empty seats or far more away fans than normal it could mean that those guys right if we're going to lose our team if we don't start supporting them let's go back let's go back to and and to the to the qualcomm and uh start watching them again so not, yeah but not the qualcomm it's the, i know the qualcomm's a terrible stadium but they what they need <laughs> is a new they uh, the concrete mecca they'll have to be but they'll have to go back there whilst their new stadium's been built but i think it will mean that fans could start going back. If not, come to London, Sandy. I go be the London <laughs> Superchargers. Uh, that great, could work. Greater London Superchargers. With those baby blue ever, uniforms. Do you ever put Greater London on forms where it has like it asks you for your county and you I, you, you can't write I live in Tooting London London because that looks ludicrous. So I end up putting Greater London, and then I feel like a ponce. I never put it, because... Uh, oh, you don't live in London anymore, live you live in Surrey now. But when I did live in Wimbledon, I just put London. Yeah, and... You I, put Greater London. Well, then, but some forms make you put a county in as well. And I'm not going to... You just my, put London, London. It looks ludicrous. Doesn't matter. Then you... Yeah, and then it's City, London... No, I don't do it. Sorry, this isn't very uh, <laughs> no, interesting really to a, a huge swathe of our audience. So, head coaching hires... Dirk Cutter looks like he's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach. Unconfirmed at this moment, but the uh, offensive coordinator who managed to get Jameis Winston firing so well in his first season, uh, it seems pretty nailed on for that one. Doug Pedersen is going to be at the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, he was formerly an offensive coordinator under Andy Reid at the Eagles. Went and did the same job in Kansas City and let's be fair, has done a pretty good job this year with an offence that's previously had its limitations and managed to get them firing uh, and get, and I, I think doing a, a good job. Chip Kelly, Chelly, is in the Chippy. Bay Area with the San Francisco 49ers. We'll talk some more about that in a moment. Ben McAdoo, uh, the Giants offensive coordinator, has been bumped up to the role of head coach. Hugh Jackson has joined the Cleveland Browns. Adam Gase, as we already mentioned, is the Dolphins head coach, and we're still waiting who the Titans are going to sign. But as Lacanfora said, he believes that it's going to be Mike Malarkey. Uh, starting off with the Titans, Mike. Oh, Mike, do we have to even talk about let's, it? Let's let's just very quickly mention Mike Malarkey, not a good head coach to hire in terms of immediate success. But considering they're looking to sell that team as soon as possible, I, I completely understand the reasoning for wanting to bring in the cheap guy, the guy they already know, not go out and try and make a splashy big name signing, and then allow new owners to come in and put their own regime in place. That kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean it's not sexy in any way, but the Titans aren't sexy in any way. Um, they've got Delaney Walker, Marcus, Mar- Marcus Mariota, but that's it. 
Let's go through what some of you thought on Twitter, who've made the best head coaching hires and who have not. David Dickinson says he believes the Browns with Hugh Jackson made the best hire. Tom Marshall says Jackson, he took the Raiders to eight and eight when they were really rubbish. Uh, and we asked upsets as well. I nearly went through one of those. Uh, Outside in Graying says, as a Browns fan, I'm excited to get huge action, but I felt this way before. Such high hopes ready to be dashed on the eerie shore. Josh Hunter, the 49ers, I believe, have made the best head coaching hire. Chip was by far the best coach available and could resurrect Colin Kaepernick. Chippy. Uh, Jackson to the Browns, Richard Walker says, let's just hope they give him time to develop the roster and get rid of Johnny Football. And John O.R. Payton says, Chip Kelly, he believes he is the best head coaching hire. So our fans seem split between the Browns and the 49ers for who's made the best hire. People don't seem inspired by these uh, bringing the offensive coordinator in. Who, what are the head, of those head coaching hires, what have you, your immediate response to them and what were your thoughts on Was there anyone that you liked, didn't like? Well, I like Hugh Jackson. I think that's a, a really, really good hire. And it, the, my only issue is it, it, with it is that he's bought into the whole Moneyball system around uh, the front office staff. But, but I think Hugh Jackson's an intelligent guy. I think he's someone who, uh, certainly when we spoke to him last year, and he comes off as very considered and, and someone who really thinks through his football decisions and he really seemed to believe that Sashi Brown and uh, Di Podesta and the guys who have come in who don't necessarily have a footballing background but have this analytics background and Hugh Jackson even said in his press conference that other teams are basically going to be copying the Browns in the future when they, when they yeah. see the way that they've done this and so he's fully bought into it and there's a part of me that goes well if Hugh Jackson's buying into it maybe I'm going to buy into it a little bit yeah, maybe. But then again, we said that Mike Pettin seemed like a good signing, and it really didn't work out. It, the Browns seem like a cursed franchise. Oh, I just, him. I know, and I feel bad about it. Mike uh, Pettin sucks. Well, he does suck. You're right. <laughs> but uh, that, so that's, that, that's basically me retiring that drop. Delete. Okay. Gone. I love that. It's off the system. <laughs> drop. Retired. <laughs> it's gone. We need to do that in the off-season. Go through the drops and decide which ones stay for next year and which ones don't. Oh, I like this. Um, Hashtag I, off-season content. I quite like the Chippy Chelly. Uh, I like that, that hire. I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens in there. Um, I want your thoughts in a little bit after I've just gone to my next, uh, my next thing. And I think Dirk Cutter... Yeah, Dirk I like that because look what he's done with Jameis Winston. Uh, Mike Evans will be back to full strength next season. Dougie Martin and Charles Sims out of the backfield were fantastic. Doug Martin was in incredible. And that's basically down to him. And if he can get a defensive coordinator, I'm looking at someone like uh, from the Seattle Seahawks, Travis Jones off the defensive line, or Michael Barrow from the linebackers, um, the linebackers coaches, maybe looking to step up into a decent, into a defensive coordinator role. And if they draft well and they get some of their injured guys back, I quite like what they're doing in Tampa Bay. And in fact, the uh, what we the next edition uh, the next edition of Gridiron is going to have in it is going to be free agency, fantasy free agency. So just to give you a little snippet of this, uh, Matt Sherry, we've been debating this uh, on our Facebook chats and discussing who different teams should look at and, and who would be their free agents. Basically, we're going to be breaking down for every team uh, what they see, how their season was, how we grade it, what their cap room is for the year, uh, what they'll be looking for, who their notable free agents are, who they must re-sign of those free agents, who's key, and who their dream splash would be. So, just to give you a, a prime example of that, let's talk about the 49ers, because obviously people are going to want to hear my thoughts on Chip Kelly, I guess. No, 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 people aren't going to want to hear it, but they will hear it anyway. 
so, but this is the one Matt Sherry sent me last night for me to cast my eye over. So just to give you an idea, uh, the 49ers have the fourth most cap room in the NFL going into next season at $44.8 million. And that's before the expected rise in the cap. So the 49ers are going to have some big money to play with. The notable free agents there, Anquan Bolden, Phil Dawson, Alex Boone, Reggie Bush, Sean Drone. Uh, must re-sign Alex Boone, which I absolutely agree with. And we break down exactly why that is. I think with Mikey Yapati leaving last offseason and the impact he's had in Arizona and the, the issues on the offensive line there. Alex Boone is the must-keep. And I know that's not very sexy to say a guard is must-keep. And then Dream Splash. And we've done a, a Dream Free Agent signing for every team. And, and Sherry's gone with Mo Wilkinson, Wilkinson for the 49ers, which is a great signing. The situation in the Pacific is worse than reported. The Japanese are planning something big. What's the target? Midway. From the director of Independence Day. A couple dozen planes. It's all Japanese fleet. We got the order to launch. Discover the incredible true story. Today we're going to be underdogs. Of the World War II battle. Good luck, boys. Fire! Midway. Download and keep now. If that could happen, I said myself, I think we need secondary help in a big way as well. But we've not replaced Justin Smith on that line. Mo Wilkinson is arguably arguably one of the top two, three, three, four defensive ends in the league. He's That's disruptive. Just a He's a run blocker. <laughs> <laughs> but I got it. I got it. Three, four defensive ends. So an inside defensive end, much like in the role Justin Smith played. Of course, there's only one man who's number one on that list, and that is Ollie. Tell me. The best defensive player in football? JJ what? There we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought that was such an obvious thing, but he's staying in. Uh, but the point is, is that if they, if you're going to go out and try and improve that position, that's the guy you get. So we've done that for every team. It's going to be well worth checking out gridiron-magazine.com and maybe we'll do a podcast around the same sort of thing. So, yes, I, the, the, to bring this back round, I agree with you. I like the dirt cutter signing at the Bucks, but it requires a, a, a decent hiring at defensive coordinator. Yes. And bringing in some talent. That defense is talented already. You know, if you look at every level, they've got a great player at every level, whether it's Levante David, whether it's Gerald McCoy. Uh, and you know that there are the pieces there for them to be a really good team. And I, I'd be excited for what they can do there. Um, Dirk Cutter, I, I, it's the consistency is what I like. You may have gone through it with uh, Jason Lacanfora, but what will Chippy Chelly <laughs> do in San Francisco? How much... How much power will he have over uh, signing of players? Is it going to be similar to the Philadelphia Eagles? I know it's we're very early stages, but what's your uh, your gut feeling at the moment? Okay, here is my overall feeling on the Chip Kelly hire in San Francisco. That's what I've just asked you for, yes. I love it. I'm all in on it because right now our team are terrible. And we, we went, so we went in hard on three guys. We went in, <laughs> much like Ollie's Saturday night. Um, we, we went in pretty hard on Chip Kelly, on Hugh Jackson and Tom Coughlin. And I think Hugh Jackson would have been probably the most sensible, most balanced hire of the three. And maybe I'm slightly disappointed it's not Hugh Jackson because I've spent the whole season talking about how I think he's going to be a great head coach for somebody. He had the right balance between somebody with experience. And he's gone to the Browns. He had the, uh, yeah, okay. Somebody might, it, it might be a case that somebody picks the Browns over the 49ers. That might have happened, in which case, San Francisco, we've hit a new low. It's, uh, it's only up from here. <laughs> um, so Do you know he, the best thing to come out of San Francisco for in the last two, three years? Go on. Planet of the Apes 2. 
<laughs> wow, that's quite the claim. Actually, it's a good movie. We yeah, should, good movie. We should go and see where it's filmed when we're there in three weeks' time for the Super Bowl. Woohoo! Uh, so Hugh Jackson probably offered the best balance between being the slight. I say the younger guy. He's a younger guy compared with Tom Coughlin. It's going to be his second shot at head coaching. I think he was un- unfairly uh, kicked out of Oakland and. That eight and eight season, he had a good year, and there's there's arguments why Hugh Jackson would have been the right guy. Tom Coughlin is the sort of person who would have come in, steadied the ship, got us to eight and eight over the next two or three years, but we weren't ever going to go beyond that. I mean, did you, did you know that you must have seen this stat by now? It's one of the most overused stats of the off season. But if you take Tom Coughlin's uh, fifteen odd years in Jacksonville and then in New York as well, his head coaching record, if you average it out per season, is eight point five, seven point five. So he is almost an eight and eight coach consistently over that period of time. You know what he is, but of he's course he's got bang average, but with two Super Bowl rings, two of those bad boys. So that's that's the thing. Uh, he's the ship steadier. I don't know if he's the guy I want developing a new roster. Chip Kelly is the absolute home run swing. So he's not the home run. He's swinging at a home run, and it's either going to be glorious, you know, it's either going to be the sort of thing where he could take us deep into the playoffs in two, three years, and we could revolutionise and do that what he did with that offence, but actually bring in the depth and have him working with player personnel guys who previously have seemed like they knew what they were doing when we had high draft picks. You know, this is still, Trent Bolke is still the guy who drafted some of the best players who are out of franchise. But he hasn't had good drafts in recent years when we've been picking much later in the first round, much later in the second round. So maybe he gets back to that form. And if that happens, in the perfect situation, Chip Kelly is much more likely than, I'd say, Tom Coughlin or Hugh Jackson to take the 49ers all the way. But he was described as not emotionally intelligent by the Eagles. And I know there's been a bit of to and fro there. He was a bit more difficult to deal with. I think having Tom Gamble in San Francisco helps him because that's his guy. And so he's got his guy there to back him up. Mm-hmm. But if he is a bit more difficult to deal with, if he has got his set way about doing things and doesn't like to be told how to do things, it could get a little bit Jim Harbour. Trent Bolke's a very strong-headed guy. Jed York's a very strong-headed guy. There's every potential, potential that next off-season, this could blow up massively and become an absolute mess again. So my point is, is it's, this is real feast or famine, the Chip Kelly hire. It could be brilliant. It could be terrible. But when you've had your potential, one of your first choices for head coach, choose the Cleveland Browns over you, and you've hit the lowest of the low, do you know what? I'd rather we went for the home run swing than the, all right, they'll turn us into an average team, but so what? I've got three questions for you, but they need to be quick answers because we've been talking too much about the San Francisco <laughs> What does this mean for Kaepernick and Gabbert? I, I, I think don't count out Gabbert too soon. I genuinely, he, I genuinely Is he more in the that. Bradford mould? I, 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 no, I, I think the fact is, is that um, Colin Kaepernick, this is the guy who took us to three consecutive NFC Championship games. He is the guy who took us to a Super Bowl. He is the guy who uh, played Green Bay when they were the favourites for the Super Bowl and put 45 points on them. He went into Green Bay in minus 30 with Winchill and managed to beat them. You know, this is a guy who has the basic skills and physical ability to be a great quarterback, but has the problems in his head, and if he's given too much time to think, can make big mistakes. Theoretically, the Chip Kelly hire works perfectly for him. He's much more suited to the spread offense system. The read option is something which works in the NFL. It doesn't work, as, and people are going to immediately be going, uh, what are you on about, Will? You're telling me the read option works. That can only be classed as one thing. Let's get hysterical, hysterical. I want to get hysterical. Let's get into hysteria. <laughs> 
I think it's fair to say we're not retiring that one. Uh, but the read option, there are three teams who have uh, employed it as part of a balanced offense this year, and that's KC, Seattle, Carolina. Where are those three teams right now? And yes, all the three teams have a better quarterback than Colin Kaepernick, but there is potential that if you have a good running back, you replace and read option. Chip Kelly has the spread system. It's also fast-paced, which he's got the physical skills to do, and it also takes him out of his own headspace a bit more. All of that means, yes, if anyone is going to have success with Colin Kaepernick, it's probably Chip Kelly. But Blaine Gabbert's shown enough in the second half of last season, shown enough physical ability, ran for first downs, uh, ran for touchdowns. He's quicker uh, than Kaepernick. He's, he, uh, he, he doesn't have the long stride of Kaepernick. He might have yeah. the short burst speed, but Kaepernick is the sort of person who busts off those long runs. 50, with, 60 with, yards for us yeah. and, 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 and 10, 20. So I'm, I'm not saying that this is going to be the Colin Kaepernick revolution, but I think they, it will be a genuine quarterback, not controversy, but battle going into next offseason. What a horrible battle that is. But if somebody could fix Colin Kaepernick... Is it a better battle? Better. I know. Is it a better battle than Sanchez and Bradford in, it, when it comes to quality? No. But when it comes to scheme fit, probably. Okay, second question. And I'm sorry, guys. That was so slow. So I know. I'm really sorry. Sorry. And you mentioned that they need a running back. And I'm throwing this right off the cuff at you. What do you think Kelly and Bulky might do in the first round of the draft 2016? A lot of it is based on if Anthony Davis comes back at right tackle, because I think if not, they might look on the offensive line. Beyond that, there's a defensive line pass rush. I mean, Jalen uh, Smith was a guy I really liked and really hoped they were going to be able to draft up at, uh, when they were kind of fourth odd. A, dropping down seventh, and B, him coming out of the draft, both make that now impossible. But uh, there, are th- there are several areas of need ahead of running back, I believe, because Carlos Hyde had the injury this year. We're behind a better line. Carlos Hyde still has the potential to be a, a good back, a very good back in the NFL. And they could re-sign Sean Drawn, and he knows the system. Yeah. Although it will be a new uh, offensive coordinator, well, a new yeah. head coach, all of that. Um, and uh, just by the by, Derek I'm he- trying to be quick here. Derek Henry uh, of, uh, of of Bama has said that he will be in the 2016. Spoke to Clancy. He reckons he might be going second or third round. So that's kind of interesting. I think you'll find Clancy said second round. I said second or third. Yeah, okay. Uh, third on workload, second on name, basically. Okay. Finally, what do you want? F- and this can be a quick answer. What do you want when it comes to record next year with Kelly? What do you want? If we if we went eight and eight, oh, no, next what do you year, want is like a is yeah. sixteen and zero. What, what do but, I want? Sixteen but, and zero in a Super Bowl, please. But, Thank you. Okay, but what do you? What would be tolerable for what you? Would be acceptable if we went eight and eight next season and showed genuine development. That would be a very good season. Thank you very much. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that we talked about that for so long, but it was interesting. People love to hear about Chippy Kelly. Uh, yeah. Oh wait, Jelly. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, let's. Uh, so we uh, well, we should really talk. Go on and move, talk about the weekend's games. I'm sorry for the people who uh, want us to talk about their head coaches more, but we've already gone on for quite a while on this show, and Ollie has actually has to go to work. I rap. I do in ten minutes. Ridiculously. <laughs> okay. Uh, is, is there any way we're going to get through this all? in 10 minutes I'll, I'll text him and say I'll be slightly late uh, that's not good is it nope. so four games this weekend it is divisional weekend it is my favourite weekend of the NFL season and let's think about what is going to be the best order to do this in shall we do it in order of let's just do it in the order that the games are on I like that simple as that so start, starts us off with Kansas City 
in New England. Now, I think we've given quite a lot of our thoughts on this game already. Uh, Kansas City come in 11-5 and five, uh, on the regular season, won their first playoff game. They're on an 11-game winning streak. New England Patriots lost four of their last six games to end the season. Absolutely crazy that they've had such a big drop-off. But there's a lot of that is to do with injuries. Who is going to be coming back? Is Sebastian Volmer going to be back on the line? Are we going to see Edelman is back and in practice, but are we going to see a fully fit guy on the field what are they going to be doing at running back there are so many questions over the Patriots that you'd argue that this might be the best possible opportunity the Chiefs have of going in somewhere and causing the upset do you see it Ollie Hunter I would love to see it uh, this actually I think is a coin flip sorry I can't help but do the job <laughs> Chiefs, um, I, th- I think that the Patriots line is the weakest it's been for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's, been, it's the weakest it's been in years. And with Justin Houston, who admittedly last week was still a bit game rusty, didn't pressure the quarterback anywhere near enough, with him back and some of the other weapons on that Chiefs defense, pressure, pressuring um, Tom Brady... The Chiefs have had 29 turnovers in the regular season compared to 13 last year, which is incredible. I could see more pressure on Brady. Incredleman might not be what he what what he is. Amendola again coming back from injury. It'll be it'll be a game decided by turnovers. I think the Chiefs have got a better turnover ratio. Charlie Jones being done for Class D, which generally is marijuana. Will he play? What? Well, it's so intriguing. So yeah, intriguing. It's really difficult. We're, we're just a day out from this game and we don't know what this team's going to look like. Losing Jeremy Macklin is potentially a really big loss for the Chiefs. But Alex Smith relied heavily on Travis Kelsey after he went out of the game and he had eight catches for 128 yards. If they don't have Chandler Jones, if they're not able to bring pressure on the quarterback, uh, the Patriots, then the Chiefs will have... It, Alex Smith has time in the pocket and when he has time in the pocket and is allowed to think he actually tends to make good decisions he he is an intelligent quarterback who doesn't give the ball away regularly and I think you're absolutely right this is going to be a case of the Chiefs needing to have slow building drives taking you know six seven eight minutes off the clock driving down the field getting a score and then trying to force turnovers and uh, you know, Chandler Jones ranked fifth in the league, 12 and a half sacks. He will be huge if he is not ready to go. We're hearing he probably is ready to go, but I think you're absolutely right when it comes to the defence. I think Tamba Harley, I think... Uh, who, who? Sorry, uh, just about that, right? If he's been... A, a, for a, if he went to a police station and hospitalised for a Class D drug offence, allegedly, but I th- I'm not sure it's allegedly... <laughs> Hashtag. But... It, how has he not failed the substance abuse? From what I understand is he took synthetic marijuana, which technically isn't against the rules, the bylaws of the NFL. That's and absolutely ridiculous. The, he should be, the Patriots, and they won't do this, <laughs> but they should forcibly bench the guy. The guy I think I, that's an absolute disgrace. I'm glad that you think that's a disgrace, Ollie, because it's funny to me. Uh, it, so this has a huge amount to do with me uh, about what the Patriots are going to be getting back on defense more than anything else. I look at the, that. Uh, I look at the Chiefs' defense, and you already mentioned Justin Houston is a huge part of that. Um, 
uh, I, I uh, Tamba Harley, I already mentioned uh, as well. Derek Johnson will be big on this game. Josh Mwaga in the middle. And then the, the secondary, and the, se- the guys in the secondary, Sean Smith, Mark Peters, Ron Parker and Eric Berry, have been brilliant this year. Yeah. Uh, if they can get turnovers, I think they've got the guys to cover Gronk and whatever other options are there. I think the Chiefs' defence matches up well against the... This, this is a really, really good matchup for the Chiefs. And I think it's going to be a tight game. I think you're right on it being kind of a coin flip game. I'm going to pick the Patriots because I think at home with their playoff history, with their coaching staff, it just feels like they have everything in their favour on that side of it. But on the field, if this was purely, you know, everything else was, if it was just on talent alone and what they're putting out there, I'd take the Chiefs. I just think that the Patriots are, with two weeks to prepare, they're going to be as good as they can possibly be. And that might be enough. Was it Sean Smith last year that shut down Rob Gronkowski at Arrowhead? Uh, Sean Smith, where well, he sent, he did a brilliant job on Rob Gronkowski when he was uh, the Dolphins, and certainly um, he's a guy who mm. has come up against Gronkowski a lot in his career, and I think that's a very good shout as somebody who could make a, a difference. Um, it, but on the uh, Patriots defensive side, I mean, uh, what are we going to be getting out of Rob Ninkovich? Malcolm Brown, the rookie uh, in his first playoff game, he's looked brilliant down the stretch this year. What are we going to get out of him? Hightower's back. Is, is, Hyde, is Hightower back, and is he going to be f- fully fit in yeah. that will linebacker role? If they've got Collins, Mayo, Hightower back, and all fit you probably that really gives them a good opportunity but it is just all about that balance in this game so I'm picking the Patriots I don't like myself for it and I hope the Chiefs get the upset I'm picking the Chiefs I have we did ask people online uh, who they thought was going to upset Josh said Chiefs to upset the Patriots injury taking over I think Uh, I'm sure more than one person said the Chiefs yeah Kansas City to beat New England for an upset came from Tom as well Uh, but Adam Foxcroft, who predicted four road wins last week, hashtag smug, uh, is predicting that all the one and two seeds win this week. Look, Foxy, it wasn't it wasn't rocket science. Don't don't pull a gravesy on us. All right. <laughs> uh, the evening game on the Saturday is Green Bay traveling to Arizona. And just remind me what the score was when these teams played. A few it was thirty eight eight. It was a beatdown. It was an obliteration, annihilation, an embarrassment. So Green Bay um, scored 14 more points at Washington than it did losing the previous two games combined. Is this offense truly back? Yeah, who or knows? Or are, are the Cardinals, uh, who are, let's not forget, pretty high-ranked in the defenses. Fifth rush defense on the season, eighth pass defense on the year. I, did, I was meant to mention about the Chiefs when you were talking about that, actually. You talked about how much their defense has taken over. They're the number one scoring defense since they turned it around in Week 7. So... Maybe I am picking the Chiefs. Do you know what? I'm going to pick the Chiefs. I'm going to do it, Ollie. I'm picking the Chiefs. Screw you, Matt Sherry. Screw you, Patriots fans. I'm taking the Chiefs. Yeah. However, in this game, I'm taking the Cardinals. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> look, it's taken... It took Green Bay a quarter and a half, quarter and three quarters <laughs> to, uh, to get their offense working again uh, in Washington. What is a quarter and three quarters if we break it down? A qu- well, three quarters... It's fifteen minutes, so it'd be, uh, it minutes. would be about ten and a half minutes. Seven sixteenths. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so, um, anyway, so it took that hashtag, long. Hashtag math watch. <laughs> it took that long to uh, for the Green Bay offense to get firing. Green Bay's offense has been taken, albeit shorter amounts of times in the game in games to get going. But I think with the week off that the Cardinals have had. The amount of pressure that they got on Rodgers last time, 
the amount of injuries that are still blighting Green Bay. You're going to have your full def- offensive line back this oh, week, apparently. David Bakhtiari should be back, even though JC Tretter had one of his best games of the year. Uh, <sighs> I, I, but I just think the Carolina defense is too good for you, Arizona. The, yes, <laughs> Carolina. Get ahead of myself a little bit. The Arizona defense are uh, a little too good for uh, the Packers. Uh, again, opportunistic. They take the ball away from you. I think they match up brilliantly with the offensive op- options you do have. For Green Bay to win this game, I think what they have to do on offense is exactly what they did against Washington, which is they played a lot of heavy sets. They played a lot of... Uh, John Kuhn was brilliant in that game. Yeah. They brought Richard Rodgers out of the backfield. They got the run game going because they used a lot of lead blockers. My problem is, is that against Washington, against that weaker secondary... They weren't. They were doing exactly what they've been doing all year, which is if you go against man coverage, they run those very uh, unique solo routes where they're going to be. This is what I'm running. We're going to do no crossing routes. Nothing which tries to confuse the defense. Nothing. It's all going to be about an individual getting separation over an individual. And in Peterson, Rashad Johnson, Tony Jefferson, Gerard Powers, even without the talismanic honey badger, this Cardinals defense have one of the best man coverage secondaries in the league if not the best mm. man coverage secondary in the league and so I'm picking the Cardinals yeah I've got the Cardinals as well oh, um, yeah still but you, I think it'll be closer than 38-8 you could have gone 5-11 and 11 and been terrible so that's true there is that there is that Sunday evening game Seattle travel to Carolina and for me this is my game of the weekend Seattle Seahawks coming into this one hot mainly because last week they were so freezing cold. Uh, They've been brilliant in the latter part of the season, bar that loss over the divisional rivals. The Rams managed to get things going on offense, even when they haven't had a run game available to them. But the Carolina Panthers are the best team in football this year. Yeah, uh, stats say it. You can't argue with that. I'm basically basing that on stats. I actually think on balance, I like the Cardinals more. But the Panthers are the best team in football on stats. Cam Newton is the de facto MVP as far as we're all concerned. Um, and actually, I I believe that Seattle really don't match up particularly well with this Carolina team. I think if you look at the Seattle defense and what they've managed to do, and more importantly, not managed to do this season, is in the secondary they've they're not particularly good on the um, the inside routes, the kind of routes that a tight end is going to run, uh, because Cam Chancellor has had probably his worst season at safety since he uh, came to the Seahawks. Even though he's still a pro ball pro bowler and whatever else, he's still good. But he's been able to be beaten in coverage. I think that the corners, again, have had their weakest season they've had in years. And actually, if you look at their performances against tight ends this year, uh, Greg Olson had a huge game against them when he played them earlier in the season. Uh, I think about, um, there were a couple of other ones. I, I had some really good examples, and I can't remember them now when I was thinking back about it. But they, they've had some bad runs against tight ends this year. Cam Chancellor's been beaten in the end zone a number of occasions. And... The fact is, Greg Olson had a brilliant game against them earlier in the... Oh, Tyler Eifert is another prime example. Mm. Tyler Eifert had a brilliant game against the Seahawks earlier this year. So if they can get Greg Olson going and establish a run game, and they've got a much better offensive line than the Vikings Barnage do... as well did. Uh, Barnage, did well. Yeah, Barnage did have a good game. Uh, yeah. If they look at the... Um, you look at what the run game has managed to do this year, their offensive line is much better than what the, um, than what the guys have 
in uh, in Minnesota. So I expect them to get the run game going like Minnesota couldn't. They only managed two yards a carry. I, th- I expect Carolina to... Jonathan Stewart, I think, had 78 yards on 20 carries against the Panthers earlier this year. That's practically four yards per carry. If he can repeat that again in this game, force those safeties to come up and defend against the run, and then they find Greg Olson. Again, it'll be similar to what I was saying about the Chiefs. Slow building drives, uh, not necessarily going down the field in a big way too often. I think they can build, and I think that they've got, they're better on the offense if side than they, they match up brilliantly with the Seahawks. And in fact, Vikings, best drive of last weekend was the drive which led mm. to the missed field goal. And you know how they put that drive together? Titans. Kyle Rudolph. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and we're talking about Kyle Rudolph here, guys. And then on the other side of the ball, the Seahawks, the one real weakness they've got is the interior of their offensive line. Not good. Now, Russell Wilson has been phenomenal in the second part of the season. Like, uh, the best quarterback in the league through the last eight games. If he re- uh, produced that over the full 16 games, he'd potentially be the MVP over Cam. In fact, he probably would be the MVP over Cam. But you've got K1 Short and Star Lutalele, probably the best pair of 4-3 inside defensive tackles in the league. Well, inside 4-3 defensive tackles in the league. And if they can just put pressure with four and then drop those really, really good man coverage uh, corners into coverage and, and drop the safeties into coverage, then I think that they can blanket the Seahawks it's all about whether the Seahawks can get the run game going and what Russell Wilson does. But I think they match up brilliantly, and so I'm taking the Panthers. And when you've got Luke Cookley, Thomas Davis, you know, Cortland Finnegan, Shaq Thompson as well, spying on, and especially those, those first two, spying on Wilson, seeing what he's going to do when he's flushed out of the pocket, and they're so football savvy, those two guys. I can, I can see them running down uh Russell Wilson I can see them preempting what Wilson's going to be doing uh when you've got all of the crossing routes of the, the likes of uh Baldwin and Tyler Lockett great be he didn't have a great game last week and that's because of the cold I should think I, I can but, see but he had the one big catch on the big play did. and that was the, that was the game that changed it. he did but I think it's far more containing this defense from a uh, from that point of view when it comes to the Seattle offense that yeah again matchups I, <laughs> I, I can't see it it's it's a really tight game but I think I'm going the Panthers I'm hoping the Panthers and I think it'll be a really intriguing game I, I, I it, you're right it is the game of the weekend all these games are amazing into, into, but I love it from an injury perspective Ted Ginn's back and Kurt Coleman's back obviously let uh, led the team in interceptions this season uh, and and they have to rely on filling quarterbacks like Robert McLean and Cortland Finnegan after Charles Tillman and Benny Ben Wickery went down. But I just you know with the weapons available, uh, yeah, I just I like the matchup and I'm taking the Panthers in this one. And that brings us to the final game of the weekend: Pittsburgh in Denver. And it's as simple as this: this game to me, Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. If they play, and I, it, a genuine game time decision on both these guys. Roethlisberger has a. a, a uh, some torn ligaments in his shoulder he's got a strain in his MCL I believe maybe his ACL I'm not exactly sure part of his knee is a bit buggered up and then you've got Antonio Brown going through the concussion protocol if those guys are both out then the Broncos could absolutely rout them not just beat them but batter them into the ground if those guys are there this becomes a bit of a coin flip game to me because we're still going to be trying to decide what Peyton Manning is going to do we're still going to be trying to work out uh, whether or not 
uh, well, basically, is he going to turn the ball over? What is that run game to them? What is the Steelers' defense? Because we just don't know. They seem to be good for three quarters of any game, but terrible, and I mean terrible mm. for a quarter of every game. Uh, but I, on balance, I'm I think I'm taking the Broncos either way. But depending on the injuries, it could be embarrassing or it could be a much tighter game. We are recording this on Friday. Uh, sort of, well, it's quarter to two. I really should be getting to work. <laughs> um, but so we don't have the Friday uh, uh, injury reports in. But from Thursday, Bob Labriola uh, reports that Antonio Brown was uh, still feeling effects of concussion. Uh, if he's back, I think you are right, Will Gavin. If he's not back, I th- I think even Antonio Brown, even if it is Jan- Landry Jones under centre, he is the reason whether the Steelers win or lose this game. I, I think it's that bigger, that big an issue, even with Peyton Manning under centre for the Broncos. So just to confirm, it seems like we've been pretty unanimous on our decisions this week. We're going Chiefs, Cardinals, Panthers, Broncos as our four winners. What do you think? Hit us up at Gridiron on Twitter. If we're going to be speaking to Simon Clancy... This is where we'll do it. So sadly, because Simon Clancy is one of the busiest men in all of sports and all of radio and all of everything else, he's very important. He doesn't like to admit it, but he is very important. He is going to be joining us in a later date, and we'll be talking, as I said, all that college in the off-season. In the meantime, let's talk to our good buddy from Sports Travel Tours. Here is Andrew Hill. So a pleasure, as always, to be speaking with from Sports Travel Tours, Mr. Andrew Hill. And I'm assuming, Andrew, that you've finally thawed out. I have, just about. <laughs> uh, now, the reason I say that... Cold one last weekend. <laughs> ...is that you were lucky enough to be at that fascinating uh, Viking Seahawks. You were in Minnesota last weekend. What's it like watching a game when it's that cold? Uh, it, it's pretty chilly, um, I have to admit. But it, it, the, the atmosphere was incredible, and the fans there um, are absolutely uh, mad about the Vikings. And it was a great game as well, right up to the last kick of the ball what, what's it like when if, if you're taking guys there and you're doing say you're doing a tour and something like that happens absolutely devastating right at the end what was the atmosphere like afterwards i mean it must have been a little bit deflated as it were it was it was just like uh, somebody popping a balloon yeah i mean everybody in the stadium was just saw them marching down the field and expected the kick to go over because it kicked so well uh, earlier in the game as well which made it even more surprising um, but yeah, it was it was very deflating. Um, but still, you know, Mike Zimmer said it perfectly. He was really proud of the team. They had a great season, and they're really one of the teams to be watching for next season, definitely. And and on that very point, I mean, for Vikings fans who have been disappointed from how the season ended, despite having a great year, and and uh, we talked about Mike Zimmer's impact last week. But yeah, one of the reasons you were in town there is obviously uh, with Sports Travel Tours, you'll be doing a Super Bowl trip next year. It's going to be the first one up in uh, Minnesota and up in the cold for I. I I think I'm right in saying the last one happened there in the late 70s, early 80s. Maybe I'm wrong uh, off the top of my head, but they've got a new stadium, new facility up there, and you've been up there checking out what it's all looking like. It it looks like it's going to be pretty spectacular. It really is. Um, We're fortunate to have an office, as you know, in Dallas and have Jerry World just round the corner. Um, But I think this one's going to top Jerry World. I really do. Uh, I have the opportunity (laughs) to... To see to see inside it and to see the the stadium last uh, sort of last Thursday Friday, and yeah, it's it's going to be an incredible stadium, um, right down to you know the the glass roof, 
and the the huge glass doors that pivot it's just going to have an, an outside feel but you'll be sitting at 72 degrees which in minnesota as last weekend proved is going to be really important so it's it, it's going to be a fantastic stadium and we we can't wait for the uh, the products uh, to, uh, to be on sale as soon as the schedule comes out yeah, absolutely. I mean, actually, I, I, to be fair, that's, I mean, uh, certainly Minnesota somewhere would love to go. I was saying as well, we've, we've heard that there's going to be a team in LA and, and obviously we're doing the tour next year. And whilst the Coliseum might not be the, uh, the, the most aesthetically pleasing of stadiums, I definitely want to get out there and see some football in LA at some point. They actually, I've just looked up. It was 92 that, uh, Redskins Bills game in Minnesota. <laughs> I really thought it was about 15 years earlier. That is terrible, isn't it? Um, but yeah. it's, it does sound really, really positive positive for minnesota as a city and they're going to be hosting the super bowl there in a couple of years from now and i know it's going to be brilliant i can't wait our packages are going to have some really unique stuff we've got some uh we met with some viking legends while we're out there and they're going to be at our tailgate party which is going to be right around the corner from the stadium um we've got some good sponsors for the tailgate party lined up so there's going to be interesting stuff going on and obviously we've got a hotel right downtown and that's just going to be walking distance to all Minnesota and Minneapolis St. Paul Minneapolis in in particular has got such a great nightlife you know there's great restaurants great bars just around the corner from the hotel there's a brick pub so it's it's definitely somewhere that you should look to to visit next year it's going to be an amazing amazing place to go awesome now uh, next weekend is of course going to be the uh, championship weekend looking ahead from from this week and i think it's fair to say at this point obviously our competition winner luke earlier in the season won a chance to go to the championship game i think it's fair to say at this point we've settled that it's going to be the afc championship i look at the three home games you've got kansas city arrowhead that'd be phenomenal mile high and obviously new england at home is such a legendary franchise over the last few years so it, it whichever of those three eventualities uh, end up being the home team it will be a fantastic trip for him and for you and matt sherry's gonna be joining you as well if you had a preference between those three uh, or if you uh, or if you wanted to tell us what the benefit of all three of those was where where do you want to be going of those three and what what's the kind of the, the plus side of all of them well i think you hit the nail on the head when you said that all three of them have got amazing uh, amazing parts to them the mile high city is is just a, a beautiful place to go um you're just an hour outside of the mountains um from vale and breckenridge and all those great places and you're in the city and you've got views of these incredible mountains from from all around around are you a skiing uh, man andrew hill I'm not, unfortunately. I played football for too long, and I never got, to, I never got to do it. But uh, you never know. One day, I may do. Um, I'm just I'm imagining so Sherry like Bambi on a pair of skis. It's hilarious to me. <laughs> uh. um, New England, obviously, it's as you said, they've done so well over the last 15 years or so uh, with Belichick and Brady, and Foxborough itself is incredible. Um, Boston as a city. Very few, uh, very few peers in in the fact that with the history, the things you can do in the city as well, um, everything from seeing where the ships came in at the Boston Tea Party, um, all the way through to Fanwell Hall and places like that. It's it, it's a great city, and Arrowhead. Well, we all know Seattle and Kansas City fight over every year, which is the loudest stadium, and given uh, an AFC Championship game. I'm thinking that uh, Arrowhead will be up there again winning the winning the title. 
Well, the Chiefs as well. The big thing is only the uh, uh, the first home London team to make the playoffs since the international series started. Wouldn't it be amazing for them to be the first home uh, London team to make the Super Bowl since the international series started? That would be phenomenal and maybe convince more teams of the benefits of coming out to London. They came at such a vital time in their season. They were 2-5 and five and if they didn't win, their season was absolutely dead and they've obviously gone on the phenomenal run uh, starting with the game before that, but those 11 wins in a row so uh, it, it's going to be fantastic wherever you end up they all look like great games so that, that is going to be absolutely ace and uh, the, the final thing is is uh, the single game tickets for uh, NFL come out this week obviously if people want to be buying their tickets to Wembley Twickenham etc but if you're going to be travelling particularly from out of town you need a hotel you need all of the package put together for you then you've got some phenomenal packages for those Wembley and that Twickenham games haven't you? We do, and um, obviously we've got a hotel right by the stadium at Wembley, which means that you don't have to stand in the queues for Lord knows how long after the game to get to the tube station. Um, it's we, the big thing, the big selling point for us is our tailgate party. It's right across uh, from the stadium, food, drink. We've got NFL legends lined up, um, and we'll be announcing those as we go through the year. Uh, for each of the games, they'll be doing the autograph signings, We've got live music. Um, the food and drink is absolutely fantastic. And it's uh, unlimited beers, wines, soft drinks, as well as uh, all-you-can-eat food. So it's a great way to start the day and have a, have a wonderful experience throughout the whole weekend. Brilliant. Well, look, Andrew, it's always a real pleasure chatting to you and we're going to be seeing you. I'm sure we'll we'll get you on when we arrive out in San Francisco. We're going to be doing a whole week of podcasts from there, one every single day. Maybe not the Monday, but from the Tuesday onwards. Uh, Monday might be a stretch after the flight. <laughs> we'll see how we feel that evening. It, you know, Maybe a couple of beers in us and we'll fancy sitting down and chatting on the mic for 10, 15 minutes. But uh, we'll definitely be doing some podcasts while we're out there. Plenty of them. Loads of stuff going to be coming out from there, so we can't wait for that uh, and we look forward to to seeing your lovely face when we arrive in so uh thank you so much andrew as always for joining us and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks i look forward to it and can't wait to uh, to get out to san francisco it'll Woo! be great Massive thanks to uh, Andrew Hill yet again. Thank you again to Jason Lacamfora and to all of you guys who have been in touch with us. We love hearing from everyone at Gridiron. Oh, and finally, before we go this weekend, five live sports extra. I'll be on with Nat Coombs with Mike Carlson. We're going to have full live coverage of the Steelers at Broncos and also we'll have the later part of the game of the weekend Seattle Carolina will be breaking that down we'll be breaking down all of Saturday's action and plenty more besides well worth a listen five live sports extra 7 30 on Sunday keep trying to buy tickets or try to keep buying tickets for our Super Bowl party at the Bloomsbury Lanes 12 quid free beer uh, free copy of Gridiron great view for the game it's going to be a fantastic night you can get those from gridiron-magazine.com forward slash Super Bowl 50 Ollie do you have any final thoughts my friend yes I'm glad uh, that you are still scruffy um, with this mop of ginger hair and ginger beard don't lose it but the only thing is you do look a bit like the photo fit from Made, in, made a Murderer. <laughs> <laughs> so, perhaps, uh, of which what I've only comparison. seen. I've only seen one episode, so don't tell me anymore. What a comparison! Uh, I believe that since you've trimmed your beard off and kind of you've, you're quite neat on top at the moment as well. I mean, what you've got up there. Yeah. Uh, I think you're just trying to live sc- your scruffiness vicariously through me. I am because you look less like a hobo right now. And later today, I'm going to go and get a gentleman's grooming. Get my haircut 
get my nails did get my i'm not really get my nails done it just really wanted to do the missy elliott thing uh and get my beard trimmed and do the whole lot because i've got to look smart for san francisco can you do a before and after on uh at will gav on twitter at will gav on twitter for a, a wanky before and after photo yes. uh thank you very much for tuning in keep checking out our, our good friends at sports travel tours sports travel tours.com we'll be announcing the tour obviously in the off season we'd love to hear from you you didn't do any of the at gridiron gridiron hyphen magazine yeah no i've done plenty of that they know where we're shilling right. to so thank you as always for listening and there was only one song we were ever going to finish on this week i think you know what it is guys ram it amazing tom work here Festival, Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play for-to-win game. Head to Betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. <laughs> Full terms apply. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.